Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi and um, also with uh, with me on the show today. Also, I don't know, as, as, as always, is Garth. Um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Huber is here. Hello. <laughs> uh, sorry That's okay. for all the, the niche Wayne's World fans out there. They can get that, that reference. <laughs> so Mike and I are going to... It was a way throwback. <laughs> um, now I might have to watch it again. That's how it usually works for me. Um, okay, so we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> Not oh, good. about the world, about um, early childhood uh, stuff. Although we're like the, the bizarro uh, Wayne and Garth with our very short hair and bald. I was going to say, yeah, there we go. And I was just thinking they were kind of like a podcast before there was. They I know were? Cable access really was the uh, the original podcast. Yeah, <laughs> proto podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So um, before all the listeners start frantically googling who what Wayne's World is, we should probably just keep moving forward. <laughs> um, so Mike uh, texted me. Um, I've been thinking about behavior stuff for a while. Um, it's one of the things that's always constantly in my, in my brain rattling around. Um, but we both are, I think we both are, um, included in a recent, an upcoming issue of exchange in their focus on behavior section and you're writing a book. So you had it on your brain too. Yep. Yep. Um, and so he, this is our quote, Mike texted me. Um, can we do a challenging behaviors episode where we talk about behaviors that adults do that challenge children, such as telling people to sit down or use an inside voice? Next text. I'm in pissed off mode of my writing process. <laughs> uh, what a great mode. It sounds. Uh, it's a necessary stage, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's um, that thing of you can't, you know, the, an article can't have that. Right. Like no one wants to read an entire article where they're being yelled at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but podcasts kind of work podcasts well. Podcasts are a different story. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll do our yelling here. So tell me why, why that was on your mind that day and why you wanted to. to um, or what so, you mean. Yeah. So the what I, I feel like it's something, and I know this comes to, you know, here's my like polite self going to, <laughs> I know people it's more about their own sense of control and their own like falling back on the things they heard when they were kids and all that. But at the same time, just that thing of, I find I can say something like 10 times to a teacher of, Oh, rather than telling them, you know, it's your job to do this, you know, like um, 
talking to them as like a partner or being on the same team as them is the phrase I keep using now. And yet then I go into the room and it still falls into that. Yeah. And, and at just, you know, it's the thing of like, how often have I either read things about behavior or written about behavior over my 30 year career? Mm -hmm. It's like, we're still in the same place where most people are you know, just talking about, or still doing the same practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we think about challenging behavior in children, um, which I don't like to call it that, I don't, um, I try to stay away from any kind of Mm -hmm. behavior focused descriptor, (laughs) but I know it's necessary sometimes when the audience isn't also on that page. Right. Um, But anyway, so when we think about the challenging behavior of children, it's one of the most requested topics I keep hearing for professional development. Um, or for classroom help, um, uh, and and it's such a, you know, the focus is on the children, the things they're doing that make it hard for me to do what I want to do or need to do. Essentially, is what it's right. about. And how do I change them? And how do I change them? Yeah. So um, it's just interesting to flip it and think about well, what kinds of things do the adults do? that are challenging for children. Um, and so, yeah, wanting them to sit still is one of them, but the, the list could be really long. Um, and, you know, I'm sure anyone who, uh, you know, if we start listing them and someone was like, oh, I do that, they would be able to, you know, offer some kind of rationale for why they do it sure, and why they sure. want to keep doing it. Um, but it, it, it remains about them in that right. in that space yeah it's that um i can't remember the exact like phrase or cliche but there's that idea of like i as the teacher want to keep doing exactly what i've always done i just want the kids to behave differently <laughs> and you know there's only one thing you can control in that well you can control two things you can yeah. control the environment and you can control what you do you can't mm-hmm. control the child yeah and so that's the part where i feel like people keep coming back to <clears throat> but what do I do? You know, even simple things like, what do I do to get this child to stop crying? I'm, yeah. I've been holding them for 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, that's great. It might take longer this time, <laughs> but you're doing the right thing. Right. And sometimes people need to be reminded because that's emotionally, uh, it's hard to yeah. have a child crying for that long, but, um, but there isn't a switch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, so, so maybe I do want to uh, list some of the things that we feel like are challenging for children um, that that adults do. Um, I mean, you can, you you hit on it. You talked about a need for control. Mm-hmm. So all of these beha- all the behaviors we do, um, any kind of behavior management charts or um, rewards or or punishments or whatever, yeah. I would throw into. The category of things adults do that challenge children yeah for sure those yeah <laughs> yeah and just that that need for everybody being in the whole group and doing the same thing at the same time i see that um staying yeah, in line I, like a lot of the things we do that look like training for being an older student right and uh, with adults you'd only yeah. see if it was um people being led off to a prison cell or yeah you know, like yeah. I, I've, I've heard people say, oh, okay, you know, backs against the wall so we can, you know, count you or whatever. And it's like, yeah. I would never tell grownups, okay, <laughs> put your backs against the wall here. Yeah. You know, it just sounds so dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe that's part of it. What would you think if someone you knew started doing that to you when you're out bar hopping with your friends and someone said, can we please stay in a line? It's hard to keep track of all of you. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure yeah. you're probably like this too. When you work in early childhood, when you go out with friends, you constantly count them the way you would count a class. Like, wait, <laughs> only, only five of us made it out of the bar. Who's missing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was like, so we don't stand in the doorway of the bar we're leaving and say, well, I'd really like to go to the next bar. But I need yep. everybody still and quiet first. I need to make Eyes sure you're me. ready. Eyes yep. on first me. Show yes, me you're ready. Just, you need to show me you're ready. That's my favorite. <laughs> and that's one of those ones that, yeah, that one really irks me, right? Because it's, if you just started doing it, they would join you. Mm-hmm. The idea of having to do something else to get to the point of what you do want, especially for children who developmentally can't picture something in three minutes. Right. right. They're only picturing the here and now. Why would you? tell them we all have to sit quietly before we can go play in the gym right? or eat our food or whatever. It's there's yeah. food in front of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> One time um, I was working with a co-teacher and we had two-year-olds and she was um, a lot younger than me. Like it was just in the last maybe five or six years. And um, didn't know who I was, frankly, I'll just say that. Um, but we're getting ready to take two-year-olds outside she's in front of the door they're all sitting and had been sitting for a long time and I'm with them like arms around them and and holding one of them and she's just like we can't we can't go till you show me that you're ready and like a long time so finally I said no just open the door and um and she got really angry about that and just as that happened the director brought a tour through like a prospective parent and then I got scolded at the end of the day for not being uh, warm and welcoming to the parent that came in unexpectedly in the middle of this <laughs> right right challenging behavior of the two adults that yeah were in the room. but um so so the other thing that we always talk about when we're talking about um again quote unquote challenging behavior is um I think I feel like at least there's a little bit of lip service and and a lot of and some practice and real change happening in terms of understanding that it's all behavior Um, or it's all communication. I mean, um, so I wonder if you feel like that flips to this conversation too about definitely. And I think, um, that was one of the things I struggled with in my book is how to describe, like, you don't need to know the reason behind a behavior in the way that sometimes people say it Mm -hmm. in the same way. I don't need to know why a child's using a wheelchair in my classroom to accommodate them. Uh Uh-huh. I also don't need if there's a child who for some reason doesn't hear me if I just say something to the whole class, uh-huh. that they need me to walk up to them or point as I'm talking or whatever it is. I don't necessarily need to know what is going on in their brain. Could I please get a CAT scan while I'm talking to them? <laughs> what I do need to know is, oh, um, you know, this child doesn't hear me when I just say something to the whole group. Everyone else starts doing it. Mm-hmm. At best, this child sees everyone else going over to the door. So they go over to the door, but they don't hear me. Mm -hmm. And I can see that and, oh, okay. So I need a different strategy with this child. Not, I need to tell this child that they're supposed to listen to me. Right. Because that's not understanding their developmental process of, they might not be able to filter out all the other sounds in a classroom. Yeah. To hear you. And anyone who uses a hearing aid knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. When you're in a restaurant and you can't hear the person talking to you, that's mm-hmm. what a child hears 
before their executive function is developed sure. to the point that they filter out sound. Yeah. Or I need to turn my, my music down in the car because I have to really concentrate on the road for a minute. Or on yeah. Traffic oh yeah. Yeah. Minute, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, wait, there's a detour. Hold on. Let me turn yeah. down the sound. So, so in that case, the, the challenging adult behavior, um, seems to be just that um, either inability, unwillingness, or just haven't ever been presented with the idea of what you just described. Like it's, it's, I see something different in a child, but I'm not going to change right. what I'm doing. I, I need to bring him in. It's important. Right. And so it's a deficit for him, but it's a strength for me because I'm really being firm and strict and, right. and bringing him along. Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting the same thing from every child. Yeah. And say, so really, would you expect, again, I, I often use child in a wheelchair or mm -hmm. a child with, that uses glasses mm -hmm. without their adaptive device or, or if, Hey, we're all using the stairs. So you're going to just have to figure out how to use that. Right. Oh boy. We would never do it. Right. And yet a lot of the development that's happening is up in our brain and there's no accommodation mm -hmm. for that. Right. Um, or even just the fact that everything we know about development tells us that children under the age of eight should be moving most of the time. Right. And yet what we're doing is having them act like 10 year olds. And yeah. then we're wondering why they can't do it. And it's like, you know, what time in human history, yeah, whatever, 250,000 years, were four-year-olds expected to sit for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. let alone a half hour. Mm -hmm. And yet we have that often have that expectation now and yeah. then wonder what's going on and what little tricks can I do if I, mm -hmm. and this is where you get into the rewards or, or punishments or yeah. whatever of like, yeah. Oh, what if I give them, I saw one thing on YouTube, uh, someone suggesting they had a spray bottle of basically sugar water and, Oh, I can spray sugar water into the children's mouth when they're. Oh my the Lord. Right and it was for them to sit down in a circle and I'm thinking, <laughs> Uh, we aren't talking about like training poodles or anything, right? right? I mean, right. it, but you know, there were so many comments about, oh my God, this is so great. I can't wait to do this. Yeah. What flavors, do, you know, like whatever. Cause I, I can imagine like, that comment. Yeah. List. yeah. And it's just like, really, that's when I think of what I want an adult to do, mm -hmm. that's where I go. And of course right. we do that a lot. We can get it. Well, we don't have to, but we're this a different podcast. We'd get into the whole um, punished by rewards of adults. Right. Um, I can't think of the author's name. Um, of punished by rewards. No, 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 no. I mean, there You're is another. The sorry. No, there's a book called Drive. Okay. About workplace, so more for uh, businesses, and talking mm -hmm. about offering like a bonus to do something doesn't work. Right. Um, in the long run, because you'll get people who are only doing it for the money, and then they don't. Their work is shoddy, or mm -hmm. you know, and there's that thing of sometimes there's things like you got to do a mailing and it just, it's a drag. Nobody wants to do it, but okay. We're all going to get together, do this mailing and I'm going to order pizza afterwards. And it's like not a huge bonus, but we're all doing it together. Yeah. And you're acknowledging that it sucks. Yeah. Is a better thing than to say, Oh, well, the person who does this gets, you know, you know, whatever, an extra yeah. 50 bucks on their paycheck. It doesn't actually, it, it can have short-term benefits. I mean, it's the same yeah. exact thing as Alfie Cohen's work. It can have short-term benefits, yeah. but in the long-term, it actually makes it worse because yeah. then when you don't have a bonus, no one's going to do it because that's what they've learned. Like the yeah. only reason I'm doing this is for the bonus. 
And so, then your bonuses, yeah. have, like with children, they have to get bigger or better or whatever. Right, right. Um, you have to keep yeah. it, So I'll, it. I'll just throw in that Elfie has a chapter about the work stuff too in Punished by Rewards. Okay. <laughs> but the book sounds good. Um, and you've used the word too uh, earlier, uh, just dehumanizing. These practices right. are sort of dehumanizing. And that's uh, um, what I think when we're talking about an adult workplace, um, no one would... You, very few would argue or or accuse you of being cruel um, to say, well, these are kind of dehumanizing practices that I'd like to move away from. But when we use that word with children, um, boy, you get people up in arms and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's about protecting their their own identity as yeah. you know, no one yeah. wants to, to think that they've done something um, that would dehumanize a yeah. child. And, and a lot of times it's not intentional. We're just following these scripts that we've got. Right. Uh, but <clears throat> Jim Greenman long, long ago wrote an article. Um, and then it was included in his book, Places for Childhood, uh, about the things we do in childcare programs, early childhood programs that are dehumanizing. And I think it's called How Institutional Are You? And that's sort of exactly what he does is he walks through these things, like making them stand in line, doing everything as a whole group and compares it a lot of times to, um, you know, different institutions that adults might be, be grouped in. Right. Right. And so <laughs> I'm going to use a Jim Greenman quote too. Um, I love him. I do too. He, uh, <laughs> he, he and I went to the same church before he passed away. Oh my God. Um, and, uh, so it was just this weird way. I was just new to the field, met him a few times and then he passed away. Uh, but he would use the opening chapter of Winnie the Pooh, uh-huh. where Christopher Robin's coming down the steps holding Pooh Bear by the leg, uh-huh. so his head's down, <laughs> and every step, Pooh Bear hits his head on the step, and is thinking, there must be a better way to go down the bam, there must be a better way to go down the bam, and each time something comes up and he gets interrupted, and you know his point was, that's what early childhood is like, when uh-huh. we don't create spaces to step back and say, huh, is telling the child to sit still working? Why might it not be working? What would yeah. I feel like if someone told me to sit still? Mm-hmm. If when I you know, would go to see Jim Greenman speak, if he ever had told all of us to sit, face the front, don't swing your foot, um, you know, don't, you know, make sure your phone is in your purse or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just all these like things we would be like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. And yep. yet we do it all the time to kids. And um, yeah, we don't see ourselves as being on the same team. We, mm-hmm. we really see ourselves as like the drill sergeant or right? something. And we see children from the neck up and think <clears throat> if they've heard it, they should know it, they should do it. Right. Um, yeah. So the, just you mentioning putting cell phones in a purse um, reminds me of the other, the other element of this this line of thinking, I guess, is, um, the way we, the way we, um, try to control children's property or, or withhold their property in settings, in early childhood settings, whether it's making them leave their nap time blanket in the cubby all day or not allowing Mm -hmm. them to bring things from home. Um, you know, I, I can hear all the, the rationales in my head, you know, it's hard to Mm -hmm. keep track of parents get mad if it gets lost and, um, other kids try to take it. And then the original owner gets upset about it. And yeah, Yeah, yeah. those are all, um, real things that we would also experience if we tried to say, um, I need you to all bring your, 
cell phones into my office and I'll just hold them all day or I'll keep right. your purses in my office. Yeah, yeah. Um, or whatever that might be. Um, and, and I would say, or were you about to say something? Sorry. No, I, no, go ahead. Okay. I was thinking that part of that too, right, is not seeing our job as teachers or educators, whatever, to help children learn how to mm-hmm. navigate that. Okay, so I've noticed that when we bring our toys in, people get upset when someone else uses them. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what we could do about that. And talking about it and coming up with solutions yeah. and every classroom is going to be different Yeah. every year. So if it worked one year, don't make it a rule the next year, have the same conversation. And that's the part that... Um, I think it's missing in it. Like, well, if they might do this, it's like, yeah, they might. When it happens, yeah. wouldn't that be a great time to learn? <laughs> what do you do when you two disagree about yeah. something? Yeah. Um, you know, and that that's the part that, again, so I'll, I'll, when I go vent in a room, I'd never do it in front of the teachers I uh-huh. work with, but like, I would say something like, I don't feel bad telling them to, maybe we could teach them skills. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than, right, yeah. no, we can't do that. We can't let them do this. We can't let them figure out how to walk down a yeah. hallway Yeah, because I can just tell them to be in a line and then just, you know, correct them every 30 seconds, uh-huh. day after day after day, rather than saying, hey, when you're walking down the hallway, if you see someone coming the other way, let's figure out what to do. And I'd much rather pause. Oh, I see some people coming this way. What should we do? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I'll move over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm teaching them what we're doing rather than just stay in the line. And they don't even have a, they're not learning. Why are we in a line? All the rationales that teachers would use of why you have kids walk in a line. They never tell the kids or if they do, yeah. they just say it. They don't experience right. it. But if you're walking down the hallway and say, oh my goodness, there's people coming the other way. Yeah. What can we do? Let's all go to this side or let's all, you know, yeah. and I just don't see yeah, like that doesn't seem to be like, it's teaching, like that's a great thing to teach. Mm-hmm. How do we get yeah. along with others? Even when it's just walking down a sidewalk in the city and having to move over. <laughs> like that's a really important thing right? to learn. We all get upset in the grocery store if someone's in the cart on the wrong side. Oh, oh, <laughs> we wish someone had helped them learn this le- this this lesson. Yeah, and there wasn't someone to tell them. Right. Well, unless you're in Ikea where they tell you oh, exactly right. which direction to go. Yeah, I've been in an Ikea exactly once. Um, and no one told me where to go. <laughs> they just left me alone. So well, and then there's the over. types like me that, oh yeah, there's those arrows. Like, yeah, I'm not following that. <laughs> yeah. I'll just so- walk around people. <laughs> One of the things that I did, um, so so I have an article coming up in exchange. By the time this episode comes out, the, the issue will be out probably. Um, it's uh, based on my quit tattling on children workshop yep. that I do. But one of the things I did at the beginning was to, to I did some Google searches for early childhood mission statements um, and found a guy who had written an article and done like a word cloud of the most common um, words included in early childhood mission statements. And none of them were, um, you know, we're going to develop institutional practices. We're going to have the children comply, assimilate children and, (laughs) and teach compliance. It's all about thinking and becoming lifelong learners and life skills and um, relationships and uh, these, these challenging behaviors of adults that we've been talking about work 
are are pretty common, pretty widespread, and work against those kinds of right goals right. of the mission statement. Now I'm feeling bad about my article. I didn't like that was a really uh, I like that idea of like no one is saying this is what we want to do. We want yeah. to teach kids how to be in a line. We want them to learn to shut up so they are allowed <laughs> to eat. Yeah, yeah, um, or whatever. And yet that's the practice doesn't meet the mission yeah. statement of almost yeah. every. And that's a great way to. You know, for our, for my center, our first um, principle is that relationships, you know, are primary. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. And second is social emotional learning is the foundation of anything else. Right. And so I can go to those two. Yeah. And teachers do often have a hard time seeing mm-hmm. how that connects, but the teacher who does get it, suddenly it's like, oh, right. Relationships, really, you know. Yeah, I'm talking about with conferences. They're doing conferences now for the f- spring, whatever yeah. season we're in. And <clears throat> yeah, you know, just say, remember the first thing is you're just building that relationship. Mm-hmm. This isn't the time to dump on their child. Yeah, I give them your article, but it's not out yet. <laughs> as we speak. But just that idea that you know, like this is the time to like show them that you know their child and like what a cool child it, yeah. you know, they have or whatever. And then, yeah. Um, as my boss always reminds them, and if there is a problem, this shouldn't be the first time they hear about it. <laughs> like if yeah. you have a concern about, you know, a developmental delay or, yeah. you know, mental health issue or whatever. Yeah. It's not the conference. That's not the time to like, right. You know, it's sort of like, yeah. Have you noticed this at home? Like just slowly, you know, throughout, you yeah. know, over weeks. Oh, have you noticed this at home? Oh, cause yeah. He seems to get really upset during these times and it's yeah. hard to calm him down. I'm curious what you do at home whatever it is, you start the conversation and then tries different strategies, Mm -hmm. not just telling him or him, them to change their ways, but more like you're changing what you do and seeing how they react. And um, the uh, inclusion specialist at my work always says, everything you do is either a strategy or it's information gathering. Like (laughs) that didn't work. Okay. So I now know uh-huh. That that makes it worse. Yes. Let me try a different thing. Oh yeah. What a great way to think about. Um, right. So it's not a failure that. just because you tried something and it didn't work. Because yeah. that's a, the other thing I think teachers sometimes do because they they're under a lot of stress and they right. want a quick fix. And when a strategy doesn't work, they're like, well, why should I listen to Mike? Because he told me something and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, rather than oh, okay, what information did we get from that? So isn't it isn't it funny though? Um funny peculiar not funny haha <laughs> which is funny feeling. wayne's world <laughs> oh, yeah yeah um that they're trying the same thing over and over and it's not working and that's why they come to a workshop about helping right. with behavior or um listen to a podcast or read an article and they maybe try what they hear once and it doesn't work so they give up on it right, even though right. they've been trying the same thing over and over or like such a, years yeah a yeah glimpse of humanity in that, right, in that right. little bit of of uh, yeah and, um, and i and i you know it's that thing of i don't want to like just dump on teachers because i do it because too. i do it too yeah, yeah. That's, i was going to say the same thing <laughs> right it's like we all do that and that's where it helps to have an outsider like a coach or a mm-hmm supervisor or co-teacher that you actually have a reflective practice with to think oh you know what let's try this for a week and see what happens was there any change you know and just have that curious attitude rather than a quick fix because quick fixes are never going to I mean that's when you get into the behavior charts and the 
things, which I actually wrote about behavior charts in oh, my article. Exciting. Which, but I've never, well, I've never used one for one, but I've never been in a classroom that used one either. Oh. So it, I almost, I probably did text you about it. Like, I don't actually know how they work. I had to look that up. Oh. Google that, like, how does this work? And read people who are explaining how you these magical thing. things. But then I asked my own child, who's 18 now, uh-huh. did you ever work at, be in a classroom with, where they use behavior charts? They go, like, oh, yeah, in first grade. And so they had a, an instance, uh, it was a red, yellow, green, I think mm-hmm. was the thing. But it was um, up. So my child, my child had to, my child had to go up to the front of the room and put their name, take it from the green to the yellow. And they're telling me this, 12 years, well, not 12 uh-huh. years, 10 years later, uh-huh. but that embarrassment of it. And of course, later was diagnosed with autism. And one of the things that they have a hard time doing is that sort of planning mm-hmm. processing right. as they're doing it. So it would just take longer. Like their IEP literally says they need extra time for a test or they mm-hmm. might need you know a few mm-hmm. extra days for an assignment to be due. Mm-hmm. And thinking that back in first grade, they had to walk up in front of the class and change their thing, which right. to my child would be devastating. Right. Um, and they can still remember it 10 years later and thinking, what did that do? And then there's some children who would probably go up and, and my child actually brought up the point of, and the weird thing was like somebody else hit somebody during that and they did the same thing. And I'm thinking, taking too much time to take out your pencils and hitting someone or, you know, relatively yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a great insight because I haven't yeah. heard that one um, from an adult before, but it's like, right. Like that is a weird. Yeah. It, there's just yeah. the shame element. Um, and, you know, there's that quote, no one ever did better by being made to feel bad or something. But we, but one of our challenging adult behaviors is to think of ways that really are, are essentially shaming. And, you know, people have conversations now I see where they, you know, the, sort of speaking against behavior charts and those kinds of methods that, you know, if what if at work I came and I moved your clip as the day right. goes on, or I made you go up and move your clip. Would it improve you? <laughs> would it improve you? Yeah. And I'm, so for me, honestly, it would probably be some variation of the part of stepbrothers. Well, where Will, Will Ferrell storms out of the wedding and yells, this wedding is horse shit. <laughs> I feel like that's how I would respond, but I know I'm sure a lot that's of how people, you would I know a lot of people who would like be deeply wounded. Yeah, yeah. By that. Would be one or the other in either yeah. way. Yeah, either way, you're not making anybody feel like they want to do the better. Motivation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I basically like everything I read, I kept thinking that behavior charts only work because they are based on fear or shame. Yeah. Like yeah. they wouldn't work if people didn't care then it wouldn't work. So behavior charts, even though they're supposedly positive, they only work because you are afraid to have that thing go down and whether you're the one who does it or the teacher does it. Yeah. The shame of that and thinking, I can't think of any time that shame works. Um, and that was the thing when I first wrote, my, when I was in my pissed off <laughs> thing, it was just like, all I was focusing on was, so we're basing everything on shame and fear. Like that's <laughs> That's what compliance is. That'll build a relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you could be on the same team as the child. Yeah. And so, oh, so you're really upset now and you hit someone because you got so upset. Mm-hmm. And with the tools you have right now, 
That was the only thing you could do to stop the thing that was upsetting you Mm -hmm. from happening. I'm going to sit here with you and help you calm down. And then over time, I'm going to think about how can I build those skills? How can I help you learn that there's other things to do? Yeah. Not just tell you to use your words, because that doesn't mean anything if the child doesn't have word. What words? Right. Right. What did I say? You know, and yeah. And <laughs> acknowledging emotions. That's the other part when people get into these fix-its and never say, wow, you were really mad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's the part that has to be said. Yeah. Like you were really mad. And that's okay to be mad. Yeah. I can't let you hit them. What what could we do? Yeah. I Next had a, time a little boy whatever, say, depending how old they are. Yeah, he was, you know, he, this little boy was four and he was having a really difficult time with something that he was upset about. And I said, I think it seems like you're mad. And he said, I'm not mad. I'm frustrated. <laughs> I said, okay, you're frustrated. Okay. <laughs> yep. I had a kid do the same thing, but it was furious. It was furious. Like, I'm not mad. I'm furious. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's mean I'm really, 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 really mad. Good for him. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's um, good. And yeah. Yeah. So it, this calls to mind again something that um, Lisa and I talked about in the episode we did about 30 years of experience or one year, 30 times, yeah. um, where we talked about what do we mean when we say it works? So a lot of these mm-hmm. challenging behaviors of adults that we're talking about um, when they say, um, well, it, it works to keep them all in a group or it, it right, right. it's always worked to da, 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 da. They're defining worked by it worked for me to yeah. keep things the way I'm comfortable right, right. Um, and not does it work for the child who's not able to meet that expectation yep. yet and, right. and making that switch or um, does it work for your mission statement? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say that the next step would be, is it working for most kids? And that's mm-hmm. what people notice. Right. But then, you know, my challenge, you know, I work at an inclusion center. So it's always like, it's great that it works for 80% of the kids. Now let's figure out how to include the other 20%. Yeah. And so it's not enough to just do. So one of my jobs is I will go in and either write down or video what kids are doing. Not what the, like, so I don't focus on what the teacher does. Mm-hmm. I focus on what the kids do and then say, look, you know, look at this and then we'll watch and say, and I'll try to get, you know, a kid who's really participating. Mm-hmm. And then also the kid who's just lost, like, yeah, whoa, this head, shoulders, knees and toes is going so fast. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right. I'm looking around at everyone else. Right. And someone just brushed against me. So now I'm going to push him. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and the teacher afterwards talking about, oh, that went so well, but, and then we watched the video. It's like, it did go well for most people. Mm-hmm. What yeah. if, I wonder what would happen if we didn't use a recording, you sang it, and we slowed it down. And you can then speed it up, but uh-huh. first make sure that all the kids are doing it yeah, or know what they're doing, or yeah. if they don't want to, they don't want to. But for the kid who's trying and cannot figure out what's happening, but, you know, just having that video and say, let's look at this. Yeah. Is every child, you know, is that working for the child and what could you do differently? And it's not a huge change. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It know? is really fun to do head and shoulders, knees and toes really slowly with a fake slow-mo voice. Yes. <laughs> that's well, that's fun. true too. <laughs> I, that is fun. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. There was something else and it's gone. So I don't know what I was going to say. 
Whereas, yeah, but it, yeah, but it is. I, I watched a teacher just a few months ago. Well, like the beginning mm-hmm. of this last school year, do that literally. We should say head. Yeah, and she'd be doing it until everyone who's uh, you know, paying attention kind of yeah. did. Then shoulders, uh-huh. you know, like actually she was doing it in Spanish, so I don't remember <laughs> all the words cabeza, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. But you know, watching it, and part of it was the kids didn't know Spanish yet necessarily. Right. So they're oh, watching what she's doing, sure, hearing the word for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then when she was done, then she said, oh, you know, we could do that in English, too. Does anyone know what the word for cabeza is? Uh-huh. And, yeah. then, and then did it. And then they could go a little faster. But uh-huh. still, she was doing it pretty slowly. Cool. Yeah. And then, you know, now, of course, they rip through it. And yeah. <laughs> it's faster, <Hey>. faster. <laughs> I have a student, um, an adult student in one of my college classes, student in early childhood is another word that's on my list. But anyway, um, student in one of my college classes that I'm teaching, who is also a parent, and her son is first grade, I think, maybe. And she got an email from his teacher that um, he had been um, disrespectful and not paying attention during story time and wanted her to work with him so that he would do better. And, um, what, what had, what had literally happened was she was reading a story and he had like a little, uh, like a water bottle with the spout, but he figured out how to stick a pen or a crayon into it. So he was doing that. He was sticking a crayon into the water bottle and then another crayon. And so when his mom asked him that night, what, what had happened, he said, mom, it's the story that you and I read every night. I knew it already. So the teacher was like, he's not going to learn this content if he doesn't listen to the story. Um, and then he went into this great explanation of all the things he was noticing about this water bottle and the crayon. Right. And so the teacher had essentially decided he wasn't learning anything. It wasn't working because it wasn't her focus. Right. And in reality, he had so much going on. Right. Um, and, uh, I don't know. We just need to be able to that, take that that other perspective. Well, yeah, that gets into the problem of more the behavioralism mm-hmm. idea of finding the reason behind behavior because yeah. it's just the observer assuming, yeah. oh, he's not getting the information because he's putting crayons in a bottle. Yeah. When approaching with a curiosity, it would be, oh, he was really interested in putting yeah. those in the bottle. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, and it could be because he was familiar with the story in this case. And curiosity would lead to maybe some more questions hey i noticed you were putting a lot of crayons in the bottle before it's like mm-hmm. yeah i already knew the story <laughs> you right. did tell me how did you know the story yeah. oh we read my mom and i read it every night oh you do so you probably know it better than me and then use that to engage him in and a story then, time exactly <laughs> next time do you want to read it uh-huh. you know read it quote unquote because mm-hmm. you probably could just do word mm-hmm. for word or whatever you know like and just by being curious and getting to know the behavior or the communication behind the behavior. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's part of it, right? You can't assume you know what the communication is. Mm -hmm. And for some kids, you have to guess if they're nonverbal for whatever reason, or uh, there's some things where you're going to be guessing at it. Some mental health things, the child's not going to be able to articulate. Um, So you might have to guess sometimes, but sometimes just asking questions rather than assuming, I know why you weren't standing in line because yeah, and and the thing of oh I wanted to hold her hand ah right which I see all the time and it's like yeah why would you prevent two kids from holding hands especially if we're talking about relationships and social and emotional development <laughs> uh, exactly that's where I go back to our 
remember our first priorities. Right. Like most people would say the goal of their circle time, you know, they have some literacy goals, but they'll also talk about building community and being part of a group. But then those little things that we do, like not letting them walk together or separating kids who get too loud at lunch because they're having a fun conversation or something work against that goal. Yep. (laughs) So, and and challenge children. (laughs) Right. And that's where you want to have an environment where you have enough trust to reflect on those things. Right. So, you know, I understand you, you know, it was getting really loud. So it was hard for you as a teacher to feel like you were in control, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but let's look at what were those two kids? Why were they getting loud and never mistake joy um, from chaos or I even I often say don't mistake busyness with chaos yes right there are times when it's like yeah they're going around and just hitting each other <laughs> and you know it is like Mad Max yeah. and like okay let's let's figure out a way to have them joyfully busy yeah and that's going to be noisy too <laughs> so don't your first instinct is going to be your sensory um, response uh-huh. yeah but then go to your big you know your brain mm-hmm. and think why is it loud? Oh, it's loud because they're having a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Now is it, are they having fun and staying within the realm of safety? That's fine to think about that because depending on what they're playing with. Yeah. Um, but then what do I need to do? And sometimes the, uh, what you have to do is nothing. Yeah. And yeah. Sometimes it might be like, oh, you know, this looks like a lot of fun, but I'm worried this bowling ball might hurt your feet. Let's <laughs> I brought bowling balls into my classroom yeah, once. Nice. I brought coconuts for bowling once. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we had to learn not to throw them. We had to. Yeah. Yeah. I had billiard balls too. We had them. all types of balls. And so that one of them was a bowling ball and it did nice. dent the floor at one point. Yeah. Somebody tried to lift it and dropped it. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a, there's an observation yeah. example that I use a lot. Um, usually if I'm doing training on observation and how to use information that um, or teaching that we see in right. you know other things and it comes from a book called focused observations i don't remember who yeah. wrote it um gail yeah, brunland yeah. is it gail gay Gaunt- yeah i think brunland? it is okay. gay gay, gay. Yep. yes um it's redleaf press i can picture the, <laughs> the yeah, cover. Yeah. anyway it's a it's a description of a four-year-old boy and he's sitting at the table and he he invites a friend to come sit next to him and holds the chair out and um they uh they start talking about his farm and the animals get loud and he uses his crackers to cover his ears um and then his friend does it too and they're laughing together and there's and there's more to it but that's the the gist and the conversation we have is that you can be one of two teachers in that moment Mm -hmm. you can be the teacher who sees that as not eating not focusing not complying um disrupting or you can see that as a teacher who thinks, well, this is interesting. What, what's going on cognitively here? What kind of mm-hmm. language can I, information can I get here? What kind of social and emotional data can I get from this? Right. And then how can I use that to support these two kids? Right. And I'll go back to, the, I think it's that same, like it's you're either on the same team or you're on a different team. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And that is one that I've, I, I keep using that one because that's the one phrase that seems to the teachers get. Yeah, I love it. It's like, oh, wait, <laughs> you're right. When I tell him to just sit down or take the crackers out of his ears, then it's like, I'm just opposing, as opposed to, well, it's really loud, isn't it? Sure, or, yeah. or tell me about what you're doing. Or, or so even, one, 
what a good idea to cover your ears with your crackers (laughs) i watched a kid do it with that magic sand which turned out it's really hard to get out of your ears yeah that's a different that might be a different conversation i did interrupt you know some but um but my first thought was oh what what's he doing oh it's loud because first he was just covering his ears with his fingers and that wasn't enough so then he like pulled up the sand it's like oh you know (laughs) yeah i'm getting the message (laughs) but um yeah, I think that's that idea because then people start thinking about, well, using the emotion because that's, I think, gets to the child much quicker where you can be on the same team when you're you're really mad uh-huh. rather than focusing on the thing they did wrong, the challenging yeah. behavior or whatever you want to call it. Focus on the emotion they're experiencing, mm-hmm. which includes joy, right? Yeah. You're really having fun. <laughs> I'm a little worried that bowling ball could hurt someone. <laughs> which is going to yeah. be my next t-shirt. Um, <laughs> Perfect. But, um, yeah. but you know, there's that. So now we can get the big Lebowski uh, scenes into here, but <laughs> this is which is what episode. kids do is they, they lick bullet. That's mostly what kids do with bowling oh, balls. They lick lick them. Them. Okay. And, and try to roll them. And sure. you know, yeah, but um, anyways, that was <laughs> a tangent. Um, oh, we but have, just that idea that if coming. you say you're really having fun. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my favorites uh, with the teacher that I first started using this phrase, it was like cleanup time. This one child's just like throwing these toys around the room and laughing. And she just came over and said, you're really having fun throwing these. We're cleaning up so we can go outside. Uh-huh. And that's all and she just said. Leave it. And he just like turned to the basket where the toys went and started throwing them in the basket. She didn't say anything uh-huh. else, but because she was on the same team. Yeah. And this was a child that, three months earlier when she was asking for help, she would have said, right now we need to clean up, stop throwing those toys, uh-huh. you know, like just really be the whatever hard ass. Yeah. And the kid would just run away, go hide somewhere because cleaning up isn't fun. And this time it was like, <laughs> oh, look at this. And he's still laughing. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, he'd miss and thought that was funny. So then he's sure. just purposely purpose. missing. <laughs> but still all she did was like say that. And then it was like, okay, now we're heading to the door. Yeah. And he had most of them in the basket, not all of them. Yeah. And he just went over and was like, doesn't that feel better as a teacher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we give kids enough credit for the, the cognitive brilliance of their sense of humor <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and the, the That's a good point. thinking that goes into it. But um, so, yeah. So my, my son Curtis, when he was in second, third grade, I got a call from the school no, I got an email from the school that was like, um, just letting you know, we're going to be testing him tomorrow, um, for an emotional disability. And I was like, no, you're not. Cause this is the first I've heard of it. And I don't even know what you're talking about. And so what was happening was when he got upset, he would just walk out of the classroom. <laughs> so they were going to do all this testing for an emotional disability. And um, so I, I said, no, you're not going to test him. I'll take him to a therapist. We'll see what's going on. Took him to the therapist. The therapist asked, why do you do that? The school had never asked. And Curtis said, well, if I use the words that I want to use at that time, I would get in trouble. So I just walk out of the room. And the therapist told the school then, like, this is actually social emotional it's, maturity. It's, I, <laughs> I was going to say, that's disability. actually higher level thinking. Not- <laughs> so then he and his teacher worked out you know, a little system where if he was feeling that way, he could just give her a signal and he could go stand in the hall for a minute and come back, um, which worked brilliantly. And we never heard again about an emotional disability, yep. but just that question that I wonder what is happening here yep. is so important. And right. um, when we don't 
have that approach, then we do put a challenge down for children that's hard for them to work through and over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think of my autistic child when they became a teenager. I mean, it didn't happen on the day they became a teenager, but (laughs) what they learned... I think from the way I parented and, and, and um, similar to this was that they always understood the reason why. Mm. So what they learned as a teenager was to explain to a teacher or other adult figure, like Uh at a store, I'm autistic. So I don't like to make eye contact. Oh, And then they like do their thing. Cause otherwise people think, Oh, this child's trying to steal because they're avoiding or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Or, um, or in the classroom, like Uh when they're in this one program uh, back when the pandemic started, and my child's like, you know, this video, because they were in person, but watching a video, um, oh. long story as to why. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, my child's like, you know, the school I normally go to, we, it's project-based and we work on our own pace. So mm-hmm. if you give me, tell me what the information is, can I just go into a different room, look it up myself? Good you for know, them. If, and I'll do the same work, but I don't uh-huh. have to sit with this loud video uh-huh. and luckily the people trusted good because I mean, yeah but it was that thing of having to explain it for young children we as the adult has to be the one who asks oh why are you doing that? right because then so much of what we view as challenge behaviors is rational behavior mm-hmm. has a lot of thought to it mm-hmm. and what if we actually thought wow that's great i mean louise derman sparks is my favorite story and i know yeah. we should probably wrap up but she talks about at the Perry preschool project, because uh-huh. she was one of the teachers there. Yeah. Um, the kids lived in a house, most kids lived in a housing project down the street. And one time she's like, wait, where's, you know, Jerry or whatever. And the mm-hmm. brother's like, oh, he got bored. So he went home. <laughs> and Louise's response was, that is brilliant. He knew how to get home at the age of three. That's uh-huh. great. Uh-huh. And granted, early sixties, a lot Different. of us were a little more, yeah, yeah. Uh, tolerant of that. But I loved that. I mean, it tells you who Louise is as a yes. person, right? That uh, that was her response was, isn't that brilliant? Yes. Like this child I is so that. smart. And I thought, yes, not how dare he, yeah. you know? And, you yeah. know, she did tell him that, you know, I can't really have you do that. Cause sure. whatever. But, but she still first wanted to. But the first reaction is on the side of the child. The first yeah, yeah. reaction is, yeah, yeah. is, is we're, we're doing this together and I see your competence. Yes. Not, not uh how dare you and uh, now you've added extra work to my load right right well look at that we went from being grumpy and pissed off <laughs> about the challenge behaviors right. of adults and then to found some beautiful story that just yes <laughs> <laughs> you did that really well did you notice i was looking at the clock because i looked at the clock right as you said well i probably I wrapping up. also I thought, am looking do, at do my I, clock do i have that too. look yeah okay <laughs> um this was good i'm glad you texted me this topic um I think our, our nails don't match today. I have green. No, I can't I've got get it purple. In there. there it is. Yep. We're both sparkly though. Yep. Yep. Um, so I guess that's a. We're not know, on the same team. Sort of we departure. On the same team. We get to do whatever we want. That's our team. Oh yeah. <laughs> there we go. Whoa. All right. Mind wrapping blown. it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see your article when it comes out. Um, me too. And, uh, I mean, seeing yours, not oh, my Okay. Own. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know, other, other projects anyway. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. For thanks being on the show. Thanks everybody for listening. Come back again next week for another episode of that early childhood nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.
has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.